0: But the brunette is not convinced and takes the blonde back to the street, showing them all of the cobs and husks they've left behind, proving (laughs) that they do exist after all. You know, we all know the age old philosophy. I eat corn, therefore I am. Clearly. (laughs) You can know
1: me by the
0: wake of my corn husks. Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by media analyst and horror wonder kid Jenna Stever. Jenna, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Thrilled to have you on. I have to ask you the question, of course, at the top of the show that I ask our guests every single time. It's really the only question that leads us into the whole thing, the whole reason we're here. (laughs) Why did we watch Daisies? Oh, boy. This was, it was such a struggle for me to
1: come up with a (laughs) movie for us to watch. Because, like, in my heart of hearts, I was like, I should do... what's on brand for me is i should do a horror movie (laughs) there's no shortage of incredible horror movies but i was like gosh should i do something classic should i do something a little bit more off the wall and the more i thought about it the more i wanted to do a movie that i did not think anybody else would do (laughs) i was like what is the movie that i think is most unlikely to be chosen for a movie podcast and daisies was the one it was either it was either going to be daisies or cleo from five to seven but oh. i feel like cleo from five to seven is a little bit more likely to get chosen but i'll stake <laughs> my claim
0: on that if you ever have me back we can do that one all right i'll make a little note of that in my guest log that definitely <laughs> exists and uh <laughs> i was excited for this one I have this batch of episodes that i've recorded in the last month or so has been sort of like scratching an itch for my like old film student brain and this yeah. was this was fun and i don't get a lot of avant-garde stuff on this show so i was i was like oh yes <laughs> yeah Daisy's little, is such a yeah. trip yeah with that little disclaimer though this is a bit more uh of a less structured film than we get mm-hmm. a lot on this podcast and this show is based around I'm going to say a movie summary. So what might happen is that this is going to be a little bit more description of scene and then discussion than we usually do on the show. But I think that's going to be a ton of fun. So we're going to really get into it. <laughs> also, the director's name, I don't want to mispronounce, but I'm going to give him a shot. <laughs> I think it's it's Vera Chitilova. Yeah, that's from the uh, Czech Google Translate that I tried to listen to. Ah! I think Chitilova is right. If we yeah. have any Czech listeners. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but this film is part of the Czech New Wave. I don't think we've had any New Wave films on this show at all from any of them. So this is breaking new ground for us. But with that, why don't we jump right in with the sound of drums and horns, some steam steam engine wheels (laughs) whirring, explosions, Uh, scenes of war. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Over our sort of like front credit sequence, we Go from all of this chaos to two girls in swimsuits, both named Maria, so for the purpose of this audio-only format, I will be referring to them as the blonde and the brunette, which is also how they're credited at the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, Marie 1 and Marie 2, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're sitting and suntanning and discussing all the things that they can and cannot do. The blonde is concerned about how doll-like they are. Uh, almost puppeted. And as they continue on in their discussion, they come around to everything in the world is already spoiled. So they shall be spoiled too. And they have like, (laughs) one of the things that I
1: really clocked this rewatch is the Foley. The Foley in this movie is incredible. And over this footage, they're just, they're (laughs) they're posed like little dolls. And then when they move,
0: they make this almost tin man. it is it's so awesome. funny it's like the perfect creek sound to really emphasize everything um <laughs> <laughs> one of the girl and this is this gets into the editing of this movie which i absolutely love but uh oh. the blonde is slapped by the brunette and she falls back into a field of daisies and as she's falling, we just move <laughs> into the next shot incredible this is how we're gonna so move good. from so many different locations in <laughs> this movie it's so good yeah in this field of daisies with a fruit tree in the center and the girls begin to hop and dance around the field the blonde pausing for a moment to pick one of the fruit taking a little munch from it and the brunette as they move again through the sort of physical edit transition into their bedroom pulls the pit of the fruit which i could not identify for the life of me from her mouth (laughs) (laughs) i think it is meant to be a peach even though i think the the tree itself is probably a reference to like a garden of eden yeah I was uh, it thought it was given. It was given apple, but everything on it kind of looked like kumquats. I was like, I, I don't know enough about fruit to really nail this one down. <laughs> <laughs> she pulls a stone fruit yeah. pit out of her mouth, so I just assume peach. Seems as good a guess as any. Any botanists in the audience? You know, email us after <laughs> the show. <laughs> they begin to cut and tear their sheets, rousing each other from their various fruit-based trances to go to where. The different events of their world are happening and we return very briefly to the swimsuit sunbathing section before the girls are out on the town uh stopping in a sort of green room bathroom combo to adjust their flower crowns and scarves respectively New Halloween costume for all of our our (laughs) female duets out there. Girl with scarf, girl with flower crown.
1: I would lose my mind if I saw two people dressed as
0: the (laughs) Marie's on this street.
1: That would be it.
0: I would fall so in love with both of them. (laughs) It's such a simple costume too, because it really is just sort of like the same dress pattern in two different colors and then the hairstyle and yes. that's like it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love the choice. Yeah, the, the I think the, the woman who did the costumes is also like the co-writer of the movie. Mm. So, uh, and I, I like, it's just such an amazing choice to have them have the same dress and just like three different colors
0: for both of them. Like <laughs> that is the life, that's the capsule wardrobe I want. <laughs> they were ahead of their time. They knew what the trend was gonna be. They saw everything was spoiled, so why not (laughs) jump ahead into the future? So frequently in this movie, they will talk about being out of their time. Turns out (laughs) the costumes were in on it. (laughs) At a fancy restaurant, the brunette is dining with uh, a little bit of an older man when the blonde sort of toddles over. The blonde has a habit of walking with her knees kind of together, which will play up a little bit later, but it gives her this sort of movement that is very doll-like upon spotting the brunette and her man the blonde sits down to join them and begins to talk all about how she's heard all about him from uh, her sister and the blonde begins to sort of gluttonously like take her sister's glass of wine ask all about the menu she plays it (laughs) off like oh you know i'm not that hungry and then orders so many desserts and appetizers and whatnot (laughs) uh despite her sister's sort of Blase look and the man's growing concern. Uh, <laughs> she gets to cram cake in her face, which rocks. <laughs> and it's so good. And as she continues to scarf down cakes, she asks the man about his appetite, explaining that she loves eating uh, before we sharply transition to the much more awkward child based line of questioning. It's just every worst state <laughs> you could possibly go on. <laughs> Yeah, to clarify, they are conning
1: this man. This is, he's a much older (laughs) man. They are young women, like late teens, early 20s. -hmm. The dark haired Marie is clearly there on like a rendezvous.
0: And like they have set this up so that they are just conning this man out of food. (laughs) (laughs) They're playing up the young female of it all. And it's working. He's a little too bewildered to really call him out on any of it. And they're getting all the food they could possibly want, all the wine, the drinks (laughs) are flowing. Uh, And to kind of put a pin finally in their con, the blonde asks him when his train leaves and they rush him to the train station. Uh, (laughs) The first time I watched this, I remember being a little confused because at this point, the brunette seems to be a little reluctant for the man to leave. Um, She sends the blonde off to buy him a paper and explains to him how she claimed he was the uncle of a boyfriend and she's worried that the blonde will talk if he's found out the truth of their relationship, uh, which is how she rushes him onto the train and she gets on the train with him as the blonde waves him off. But when the train passes out of frame, the brunette is standing there on the tracks as she had jumped off and sent him <laughs> off to never come back, <laughs> not wanting to be alone without her friend. Scam complete. They have gotten their fine dinner and sent this man on the orient express possibly. <laughs> <laughs> she jokes that she thinks it's the orient express, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love the filter this kind of film has over some shots where they'll just switch to like a almost oh, what's the word? Not glitch, but like this rainbow sort of offset.
1: Yeah, almost yeah. 3D effect, almost. but like it rather than just having two overlapping colors, it has yeah, it has multiple overlapping
0: colors. Mhm. Uh, As various train travel shots rush by, uh, all from the perspective of someone standing in the caboose, maybe like this man is doing watching the two scam artists on the platform, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Later, the girls go to a club-restaurant combo and they receive a bit of a drum roll before they hesitantly walk out uh, and begin to get pulled out of the way as the actual two performers emerge from behind them and the restaurant staff rushes them off to the side as a... two performers come out and start doing the charleston and jamming (laughs) to the band the girls find their seat and watch the performance bopping along and getting progressively more drunk as they order more and more beers and uh start to get more and more rowdy throughout this performance (laughs) (laughs) at one point some bubbles are introduced into the equation uh (laughs) love it's so like childlike and fun i love that for them (laughs) they're having a great time (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, The brunette pops a bubble on the head of the bald man in front of them, and that begins their sort of interruption of everyone else who is at this uh, restaurant performance. They get rowdier and rowdier with the staff and other patrons taking notice, including the performers. Uh, One of the dancers like pauses at one point and watches them before she gets pulled back into the performance. As the performers head off stage, one of the staff begins to try and expel the girls from the establishment who are just continuing their (laughs) antics along the whole way out. They're really at odds with kind of this decadent form of society. The, the bit in the beginning is, of course, we're spoiled, and the whole world is spoiled, so why shouldn't we be too? And you kind of get to see that in the scenes where they're not just playing other people in the case of the older men who they scam, but also just any time they go out and about, the whole world revolves around them in that moment. Ha. Until it doesn't, which also <laughs> comes up in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back in their room, the blonde lays on a sheet of grass on the middle of their bed as the brunette returns home the brunette is like oh who's gonna pay for all this that you've done and the blonde responds the dead don't care and after uh joking about tying her knees together to emphasize the crooked legs that she always tries to walk with her thing if you will the blonde toddles off when the phone rings she answers it pretending to be a rehabilitation center before saying die 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 (laughs) And then I think she calls a different number to also tell them to die, die, die. (laughs) But the girls are laying about, happy that they're home. At least the brunette is, as the blonde is a little bit quieter. And there's, you get it in this scene and in a few others, but there's a kind of like feminine joy to this movie that was a little, I've kind of caught on the second watching of just like, yeah. yeah, these are two girls just thrilled at who they are and what they're doing in a way that you really I don't, personally as a woman I'm like I've experienced this when I'm just hanging out with friends in someone's house you know there's that little <laughs> joy of like connection and just everyone slumber is being vibe. themselves yes exactly yeah. slumber party vibes. <laughs> yeah I want to talk a ton about that I'll, I'll wait yeah. until after you're done with the the plot summary such as it is <laughs> <laughs> the blonde toddles about getting dressed chiding her sister but when the sister turns it around on her with a remark about gainful employment she starts to pour milk on herself, prompting the immortal line, you have milk on your breasts. And uh, finishing her whole routine, (laughs) the blonde heads out and the brunette reaches for a nearby clock. And as she ticks it, the TikToks slip us through colorful images, including the swimsuit scenes return as the flower crown thrown into the sea, surrounded by apples, pulls us into the next restaurant where they are scamming another man. Uh, This time they make him juggle, which feels cruel. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, to be fair, this guy seems like he's having a great time. Yeah, he's having the most fun of, I think, anyone that they try to scare sk- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that they might be more aggressively tormenting him than anyone else, he seems into it. Yeah. Eventually, he's had enough, and they send him off to the train once more. He cries as the girls wave him off from the platform. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, They talk about how this is the fifth man they've uh, left in such a fashion and they've got to try and find a new source of fun. When we go to the images of butterflies, all kept in their museum boxes pinned up, another man is discussing how the blonde is so heavenly, but she just stares silently and smiles at him. The man continues to passionately play piano as we see butterflies rush by and the blonde slowly gets undressed. Uh, This catches the man's attention and causes him to apologize for any sort of brusqueness as... She <laughs> continues to stay in various stages of nakedness with just butterfly boxes over any pertinent areas <laughs> as he declares his love. The girls go back to the bathroom dressing room combo, rushing out after some light conversation about youth with the older woman cleaning the bathroom. They try to rush out at least, but she makes them sit and they watch another woman wash her hands and leave, which is maybe the most mortifying thing I can think of happening to me in a bathroom is if there were just two like teens sitting there judging me while I washed my hands. <laughs> I mean they've nothing but nice things to say about this lady. They say That's she true. I think they
1: call her like an angel fallen from heaven.
0: <laughs> Promptly after that they do uh, steal from her
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, from the poor poor washerwoman, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but with their stolen funds they leave and they toddle up some stairs with uh, their legs looking like they're in a funhouse mirror the whole time. <laughs> Get a lot of really cool uh, transitional avant-garde effects mixed in between some of these scenes. They're sitting over a jukebox, discussing their theft and how spoiled they are when back at their apartment, they're lighting some streamers on fire. So good. So good. Oh, I love the, <laughs> <laughs> the like slight smoky haze over everything afterwards, too. It's just It's just incredible. such an intense visual effect. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's just delightful. It's incredible to watch. <laughs> uh, phone call. It's the man from the butterflies, uh, once more declaring his love as the girl's prompt Uh, ignore him eating crescent rolls and eggs and pickles and sausages with spears and scissors he continues to try and declare his love they continue to ignore him they debate their next meal all while this man half hears them and is confused including eating paper images of food and when the blonde lays back to relax after their feast she hangs up on the phone by mistake (laughs) but since she didn't know that man's name it's probably for the best (laughs) The brunette tries to get her to give her uh, his phone number because she's going to go see him, presumably to scam him as well. And they return to their sunbathing area where they laugh and laugh and laugh with a man in a speedo behind them. The blonde is getting ready in the apartment as the brunette rushes in, looking for her, and they head out to dinner to scam a new man. Hey! (laughs) This one is warned over and over by the girls to watch out for the bones of the fish that they're eating. <laughs> as he stands up, they both rise to give him a smooch at the same time before rushing him onto his leaving train and then jumping right off. And in a very uh, silent film esque sequence, Benny he, Hill, yeah, <laughs> yeah, also gets off the train and they rush him back on. But this time, the girls are the ones who end up on the train as he waits at the platform waving them off. It's all very slapstick and humorous. <laughs> Uh, the girls stumble back over the train tracks, covered in soot and whistling like trains, bemoaning their uh, little turn of fate there. <laughs> back at the apartment, the girls eat watermelon and go through their lists of men's name written all over the walls, their alphabetical sort of tally of who they've scammed, all of which have some sort of extenuating circumstance associated with them when suddenly the doorbell rings. <laughs> <laughs> the girls lay silently in bed as the man on the other side of the door, the butterfly man, begs them to open up and let him explain. The brunette begins jokingly encouraging her sister to open the door, all while the man continues to knock and plead.
1: Yulia! <laughs> Yulia!
0: <laughs> they don't give any of the men their real name, so he's no. just at the door yelling, Yulia! Yulia! <laughs> Which is just delightful. It almost becomes like a sound effect throughout the whole scene, more so than being like a line that someone's saying. <laughs> yeah, like a foghorn. Yulia! Yeah. <laughs> That should be an option for uh, ringtones now. You should just get to screen the person's name. <laughs> ah, terrifying. Eventually, the brunette gets the man's address from the blonde, and we return once more to the sunbathing girls in swimsuits sharing a drink as they progressively add more and more straws to the top of their existing straw to make it taller and taller, which is a very, like, theater kid at a Denny's after a show <laughs> move. Uh... <laughs> The blonde declares that she doesn't like the brunette anymore and eventually gets up and walks away, but moments later returns to lay down with the brunette, having gone to the end and deciding to come back. The girls dance under chairs at the now-closing restaurant where they saw the Charleston dancers earlier. Uh, and return to their ready room bathroom green room combo to preen and smoke and apply a lot of eyeliner <laughs> <laughs> the blonde is curious about why someone would say i love you instead of just saying like egg egg, uh, <laughs> egg. <laughs> as the brunette is drawing a bath of what appears to be milk but <laughs> <laughs> She demands an egg and begins to play with it. The music gets very serious and March-like all through this sequence in their apartment. As the girls get in the tub, all the while debating if it's really them who are here, if they really exist, getting really existential in the bathtub, which is a move I cannot recommend enough. Great way to spend a (laughs) Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) On the street, they find a hole in the wall and peeking through see a field of vibrant grass. The girls are bored. Back in their bedroom, they do even more eyeliner as an older woman from the bathroom sings to them. Keyboard music. The girls toddle over to the time of the beat. Again, the great sound effect of their movement tied in with this. It's almost, I, I couldn't tell if it was like a synth or an organ or what, but it's, yeah. I have no idea <laughs> what the, the instrument is, but they each have a, their own instrument that, that is playing <laughs> as they toddle, um, which is just a delightful <laughs> effect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The girls roll through a field of grass, the images of curls, tears, and shreds flash onto the screen, and they stand up wearing the various fashions of scrap metal and other curved materials that they've found around them when they come across the steam engine from the opening sequence, uh, chugging away on the side of a wall. They spot a man gardening and watch him for a bit, cooing at him from the cornfield they're standing in, but he takes zero notice of them. Uh, And as they walk down the street afterwards, arms full of corn, uh, snacking (laughs) away, a steady stream of men on bicycles goes right past them as well, paying them no mind. And the brunette laments how not one of these men noticed them, how they've become ignored. And the blonde wonders why the guy in the garden paid no attention to them as they arrive at a rickety boat on on a dock that they're going to hang out on for a bit. (laughs) The brunette is over the man in the garden because... She describes them as being young and they have their whole lives ahead of them and the girls play on the boat for a bit when the blonde admits that she feared the old man hadn't seen them at all and that they had disappeared into thin air. But the brunette is not convinced and takes the blonde back to the street, showing them all of the cobs and husks they've left behind, proving (laughs) that they do exist after all. You know, we all know the age-old philosophy. I eat corn, therefore I am, clearly. (laughs) You can know me by the wake of my corn husks. (laughs) Uh, We get a montage of locks. Uh, and then we're back at home where the blonde and brunette roll up each other in blankets and throw each other off the bed while whispering their existential fears into the microphone. Very <laughs> uh, classic ASMR move. <laughs> <laughs> the blonde begins to cut the outline of her brunette friend, but switches from cutting the trim of the blanket to cutting her like tank top uh, negligee. Uh, and this proves too much for the brunette as she also grabs scissors. And with snip sounds, they begin to chop each other right up. One cutting the arm off, the other just becoming a head, and the cutting and pasting of arms and heads increases increases all about until we get smaller and smaller and find ourselves transitioning from this collage of chaos into a basement hallway where the girls are playing around <laughs> non non-gory non- no. non-bloody This is very much a film film editing technique kind of snips not uh yeah <laughs> not a dis- dismemberment <laughs> it looks a lot similar to the collages they've been putting all over their walls and the way that they just have like sharp edges like they would you would if you like, cut a magazine and you cut the picture a little wrong and missed an arm or something yeah Montages of doors with no admittance They find a catering entrance and decide to go in Since they're very hungry Except it's not just a door, it's a dumbwaiter So they ride their little dumbwaiter Up past a room full of meat Past a full orchestra And eventually enter an incredibly swanky dining room (laughs) Table set for 14 Massive buffet laid out on the one side Big chandelier And as they begin to help themselves to the food and wine laid out The music gets more and more ominous They take a bunch of the platters from the buffet and set the table, laying upon themselves a real feast. And the brunette at one point knocks over a glass, which pushes them through a series of gasps and into uh, color footage as she has broken this glass. The blonde absolutely tears into a chicken or fowl of some kind as the brunette rushes off in search of something to drink. (laughs) Settling for a whole tray of bottles of wine and beer and champagne and whatnot. They leapfrog down the table, munching the whole way down on platters and platters of food with their bare hands, reaching cakes at the very end. The brunette grabs an additional larger cake from the buffet and brings it over. And as she munches on a comically large slice of this tiered cake, (laughs) uh, the blonde throws her own cake at her and the two begin to have a food fight. After their fight, the blonde pulls down some curtains and declares a fashion show, wrapping herself in the translucent curtains as the brunette takes off her clothes to wear her slip as a dress, which works incredibly well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it looks good.
0: (laughs) Uh, And they strut through the center of the table with all its food, dancing and grooving and just stepping on all of this decadence they were eating a moment before. Eventually, they make their way onto the chandelier, swinging to and fro, when suddenly the sound of shattering and we cut to the girls falling into the water... A subtitle telling us that this was the only possible way for them to end up. (laughs) 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 They try to grab hold of some wooden poles calling for help as they're drowning, but they're knocked off of the poles, and they promise and swear that they won't be spoiled anymore, Uh, but the subtitles declare that even in the best case, this is how the situation would look. (laughs) (laughs) In the dark, the girls whisper about being hardworking is good as they return to clean up the dining space wearing, like, newspaper jumpsuits. Yeah, Yeah. bound with twine, basically. Kind of like they're like a cut of meat from the very quick little meat sequence earlier. (laughs) Almost exactly like that, yeah. (laughs) I would argue, yeah. Yeah. Um, And they're setting the table with these broken shards of the plates and whatnot. They can't quite put anything back together, but they can lay them out as though they were... Correct. HBO did not bother to translate all of their whispers into subtitles, uh, so in the, most of the sukins I was just hoping that the gist of what they were saying was still them swearing to get better and not be spoiled.
1: Yeah, I think that's the plan. That they're talking about how they're... I think, yeah, I think they're just whispering the same thing over again about how they they are going to work hard and be healthy now. Yeah. <laughs> but in the most ominous way
0: possible. Really cannot <laughs> understate how ominous Extremely it is. Extremely spooky. This- <laughs> yeah. Finishing, stacking all of the cakes and plates back together, they declare that this was quite a job, and having made amends for everything, they lay back on the table and are happy. As the blonde continues to say how happy they are, the brunette asks if they're just pretending, but the blonde insists that indeed they are happy. And as they sort of reach this conclusion, the chandelier falls on them, and we get the explosion footage from the opening montage uh, and some titles. This film dedicated to those who get upset over a stomped upon bed of lettuce. (laughs) Or I think some of the, some of the translation makes it upon a
1: tread upon trifle, Mm. which I think is also just like really, really catchy. A tread upon trifle.
0: Ooh. Ooh, that's good. Much better than stomped upon bed of lettuce. Do better. HBO translator. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But that's, That's Daisy's in its entirety. Uh, It's mostly, to kind of put a point on it, the thrust of the movie is these girls scam these men, take advantage of this rich and decadent world around them, and eventually it kind of comes back to bite them in the way that they're so flippant about everything. Um, But I don't think that that is doing justice to the actual interpretations of this movie because there are so many.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a plot summary is inevitably going to fall short for this movie because Mm -hmm. uh, on the one hand, I think... I do think there is a narrative that runs through it, and I do think it is like, I I don't think it's I think people have a bad idea of what avant-garde films are that mm. they're just like nonsensical, and you can watch it and it's just like a mishmash of um, nonsense, and that you you won't get anything out of it and it'll be boring. And like I cannot emphasize to you enough how much <laughs> Daisy's is not boring. Oh, it's not even a little bit. <laughs> fascinating. No, it's it's just like it's so enveloping, and I I do think there is like. Maybe not a full character arc, but it, it is fascinating to watch these girls just wreck havoc upon <laughs> anything they have within their reach in a way that is mm-hmm. just
0: fascinating, yeah, I agree. I mean, because you know, there is a s- story I don't even know if I, guess if I was supposed to call it a story, but there's a plot here that they're they're following. But like you were saying, the real joy of this movie is just watching the girls kind of disrupt everything around them um. <laughs> You see it with the the men and all the dates that they're going on and how they're just (laughs) using them to terrorize the rest of these restaurants and get their (laughs) full meal. Um, You've got the whole through line of them constantly seeking their next meal, eventually having their huge feast uh, at the very, very end. I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, what do you think or do you think there is like one message this movie is trying to push or is it more about the experience of riding along with it? Ooh, I mean, I don't know that it's one or the other. I, I think that's
1: part of why I think is so remarkable about *Daisies* is like, mm-hmm. so Vera Chetlova, the the woman who made it, uh, it, her her films are often tackling like femininity and womanhood mm-hmm. and what it means to be a woman in a patriarchal society, and I, I think this is. her I think her understanding of the movie is different from my understanding as a a modern American watching it Mm -hmm. Um, because she was making this in a very situated time in Czechoslovakian history and it it, her sort of purpose as I understand it in this movie was to make these sort of I mean very doll-like creatures like she's making fun of movies made by men which mm-hmm. feature women that are basically these empty-headed dolls that totter around and they're so cruel and they, they rip off men and they destroy everything around them and they're just like these, empty, these empty-headed these empty marionettes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, as a modern person watching it, I'm like, these chicks rule. <laughs> I love them. They're icons. Yeah. I wish I could be as casually destructive as they are in their lives. <laughs> like They're just so iconic. But I, I think that's not the message that Chichilova would would want me to take from this yeah Um, but it is just also just like so visual like it's such a joyful (laughs) film (laughs) it's such a joyful it's it's remarkable to watch a movie by a director who clearly loves making movies and Mm. is in love with editing and directing and set work and costume work and performances and it's just like so joyful in her execution whereas I feel like a lot uh, especially of modern movies are so like they're not a craft anymore they're a product mm-hmm. and so to watch a movie like this that is a craft it's just like such
0: a joy yeah and it's such a oh, Ziggy you gotta okay
1: <laughs> kitty time
0: yeah yes. do you have thoughts on the avant-garde movie Ziggy? No? Then this is not the place for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think you hit the nail on the head with the uh, craft comparison, because watching this, like, it's, I think, a very easy takeaway for people to have from avant-garde movies is that they are just kind of throwing everything at the wall to just create chaos. And I feel like everything in this movie, as chaotic as it can be, is incredibly purposeful. Um, yeah. the different applications. Uh, I mean, I talked earlier about how much I love, love the editing oh. in Daisies. Every time they transition from one location to another by throwing that flower crown across the screen, I'm like, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's so good. It's so purposeful.
0: Yeah. And I, it's, I think this is an excellent example of how to do avant-garde in a way that is purposeful and is celebratory while still Capturing that very chaotic feeling that you can get from that particular style of filmmaking, and I love, I I love how joyful this feels and how particularly like femininely joyful this feels because yeah. you're following these two girls who are just unapologetically being spoiled, loving loving what they're doing, loving life, making the most chaos wherever they can go, just tearing <laughs> everything up, uh, and still at the end of the day, the way that those two girls in particular interact with each other has a, a very close friendship kind of energy that uh, sometimes you don't get from characters on screen who are much more explicitly friends than these two are particularly any of the sequences where they're in their room just sort of chatting back and forth while bathing in milk or whatever they're up to in that particular part (laughs) of the movie (laughs) you get a real sense of like how close they are and how comfortable with each other they are even as they are kind of uncomfortable sometimes out in the world yeah, and do do sometimes argue. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love the scene like
1: that you mentioned where they're just putting subsequent straws on top of each other and they're like having an argument while they're doing this, but mm-hmm. like they're they're still so playful and yeah. they're having such a great time <laughs> even <laughs> as they argue about whether or not they exist and all of these things and like their their argument for whether they exist or not it hinges upon whether they are recognized by the state. <laughs> but they don't work, they don't have jobs, they don't own a house or anything like that. They're not mm-hmm. married. So um, so they're like, do we exist if we're not recognized by the, the communist state in which we live in? I don't know. But they do, because they have corn husks to yes. prove it.
0: <laughs> I think that's so, Like it made, I made fun of it a little bit in the summary, but I think that's a pretty clever move to be like, yeah, there's physical evidence of the destruction we've been leaving behind us. Clearly we must exist. <laughs> <laughs> I also love this movie is so funny
1: uh, that's another thing I, I was struck by rewatching it is like it's so funny and a lot of the jokes really come in the editing and I mm-hmm. love the seat that this the transition that happens just before this where they're 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 looking at the people through this gardener uh, who's who's hard work and not noticing them or I think they're in the they're in some grass maybe and they're watching mm-hmm. him and they're like. I, why doesn't he? Why doesn't he see us? What's happening here? And then it's a, a smash cut to them walking down the street with like, dozens of corn in their arms, like they're just be- bundled up with corn. And it's like, it the the movie is just like, yeah, they robbed him. <laughs> they took a bunch <laughs> of his corn. <laughs> he didn't pay attention to him, so they just they just
0: took corn from
1: him. Yeah, took some corn. It's so funny. <laughs> it's
0: just the image of them walking down the street with the corn too, because they've got. It's not like they have one. You know corn cob each they have like bushels <laughs> <laughs> yeah under their arms. and they're chewing away at
1: the cobs and they're just like spitting yeah. the corn everywhere uh, a great foreshadowing <laughs> to the final scene or the, the the i guess the the climax arguably of the movie mm-hmm.
0: where they're just going wild on this banquet <laughs> And they're very like consistent throughout in how uh, wild and funny they are because you get similar stuff right much earlier on with like the bubbles at the uh, restaurant where they're just when. When the brunette reaches down and blows a bubble and just pops it directly on the bald man's head. I thought that was incredibly funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love the part where, they, where they've where they been seated and they both gesture to the waiter to get them big old bottles of beer. And then when he leaves to do that, they surreptitiously put two glasses and two bottles of beer that they have brought <laughs> themselves into this bar. And he comes back with the, the same beers and he's like, what? Uh, And they just cut. They don't show you how that resolves, but I just love that this, that is just such a funny scam to me. (laughs) You would show up to a bar, um, this really, really fancy bar where certainly Mm -hmm. they are doing very expensive beers Uh, and are just like, no, uh, somebody already gave us our beer. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a you Mm -hmm. problem. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Icons. We love them. And everything the way that they move is very silent film kind of Benny Hill slapstick. You see the train sequence where they're pushing the last man they, they scammed in that restaurant (laughs) on and he gets on and they get off is probably the most obvious, but even in the way that they're pulling those bottles out uh, at that restaurant scene and like the different ways that they're like toddling around the screen, it calls back to a very particular era of like comedy on film. Uh, And it's, Super smart, and it's still so funny, even when you know modernized <laughs> for the time or it used in the 1960s instead of like the 1920s.
1: I mean, physical comedy always plays, and I, I, I don't. We should never give up on the fun <laughs> of physical comedy. That's my opinion. But yeah, it Absolutely. is, and it is, it it is such a fascinating way to make every scene interesting mm-hmm. like it, because it is like there's there are sequences where it's just like them walking down the stairs that one that happens multiple times you mentioned one where there's, there's this visual effect that's making their legs look disproportionate and, yeah. and weird or um the first one when they're in the matching black and white dresses <laughs> and they're just sort of like flouncing so dramatically <laughs> down the stairs uh it is just like it's
0: so delightful to watch this is such a joyful movie it really is it's It's interesting that it's so joyful because I think it's very easy to look at a film that is made for like a more artistic purpose and assume that it will be deep and thoughtful and really, you know, (laughs) in its feelings and to show that you can still be thoughtful while having fun is itself an incredible skill on screen. Yeah. And the movie itself is, I
1: mean, arguably very nihilistic. (laughs) like like their stance is that the world has gone bad so they might as well go bad which I think is fundamentally yeah like that's pure nihilist but they're going about it in such a delightful way that is something that I really take away from this movie into my personal life where it's like (laughs) yeah if if nothing matters then just have a good time
0: yeah it's sort of the two like sides of nihilism like you could be like well nothing matters and now I'm incredibly sad and depressed about it and nothing matters so I must be Sad, And the other side of that, well, so nothing matters, wild. so I might as well have a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I might as well go out and bring my own drinks to the bar. I might yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe don't do exactly what the Marie's do, but uh, maybe take <laughs> that vibe. The spirit
0: of it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I'll, I'll, oh, God, it just, the the climactic end sequence, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would be able to resist if I, if I were wandering <laughs> around this giant, empty, weird mansion, and I came across... Uh, a 40-dish f- banquet perfectly laid out with all of these Ooh. incredible, like really, really 60s vibe foods. Uh, <laughs> yes. Some identifiable, some just like white. A lot it of pineapple slices going around. A yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of birds with their eyes still in it. And just the way that they approach that, the, the, the movement between their very cautious approach of being like, wow, odd. Awed by the, the, this whole spread and this beautiful chandelier and this beautiful table and, and they approach it and I love the moment where the blonde Marie is like be careful now you have to t- take a, take a taste, but make sure it's not obvious. And then she reaches over to this bowl of moose with one finger out and then drives her whole hand <laughs> into it. So it's just like mushed around with her hand. And it, that's at once like so childlike, right? Playing with mm-hmm. your food is such a, a classic child thing to do. But it's also like it looks so
0: satisfying. Yeah. When and they're, just like, falling like the into the cakes at the end of the sequence.
1: Ooh. Oh, it's so satisfying. It's just, like, these, yeah, these beautiful, insane architectural <laughs> works of food that are clearly laid out for, like, some high-tier government officials. And they're, mm. like... Um, No, this is for us now. And just like the sequence where they're like going from plate to plate and tearing off the the napkins and throwing it over their shoulder and gooping together some food. And just like, I mean, talk about like Denny's after theater club (laughs) (laughs) Like when you're just like so bored and you're like smashing leftover French fries with your thumb (laughs) and making weird sauce puddles with it. Because like this food isn't food to you.
0: It is it is a play thing. Mm. So
1: satisfying.
0: It is. Do you have any thoughts on, like, why the kind of climatic sequence? Because most of the movie up till then had been the girls messing with all the men in their lives and then eventually questioning their existence. Uh, why they ended up at this feast of all things. I mean, other than it's incredibly joyful and it does feel like the culmination of their expression of joy is just... There are absolutely no, nothing matters here. We can just completely go crazy, throw everything to the wind. Um, I mean so the they they start the movie having dinners
1: with these these rich older men where mm-hmm. they're they're they it which are definitely like echoes of this final climactic scene right they're mm-hmm. ripping off these old men they're having just like really really hands-on food experiences (laughs) i would say not not quite as much as in the climax but still like leading up to it and like throughout the movie like there's lots of food like you've mentioned the watermelon you mentioned the weird sequence which is one of my favorites where they're they're cutting these really phallic foods Mm -hmm. with like this massive pair of scissors which is like okay (laughs) okay Vera, (laughs) while on the phone with i I think it's the butterfly man who calls them at that point (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man we haven't even talked about the butterfly man we're all the circle back but i and i i think that this this sequence is the ultimate climax of not just the food thread but also the men Mm -hmm. thread right where it's like this this i think the the banquet is implied to be laid out for like communist government officials Mm -hmm. uh and so it, it is the same thing right it's rich old men they're scamming rich old men, but they no longer need the rich old men to recognize them for mm. them to do it. So it's like they don't exist anymore. They're they're walking around the city so early in the morning, and all these men cannot be bothered with them. Uh, and that that culminates with them reaching this banquet where there are like they do not they no longer need to be recognized by the old men to ruin mm-hmm. the old men's dinner. <laughs> if that makes sense. So Absolutely. I think it's I think it's this this culmination of of all of these threads where it's like. They, they no longer need the
0: authority of these old men to ruin their nights. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see just how freeing that is for them, too. Because like you were saying, Ugh. this is the sequence where they're really just throwing it all to the walls, you know, now that they don't need these old men to ruin these old men's day, which rocks. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> so good. This is the
1: sequence that... So this movie was banned in Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. It was out. It was out for a while, and then was banned for a while. And it was out for a while, and then it was banned for a while. But this is this is the specific sequence that they said it was banned for because it it is an absurd waste of food, and they were like, "We don't waste food <laughs> in the socialist paradise of Czechoslovakia," mm. um, which I think is also really
0: fascinating. Yeah, it's really. It becomes very counterculture for. Uh, stated reason other than the behavior on screen which is probably why it was actually on the radar of being <laughs> yeah yeah it's such a it's such
1: an easy way to be like well you wasted food so we're not gonna tell we're not gonna actually engage with like the politics of this movie that mm-hmm. we don't uh, don't agree with we're gonna we're gonna say it's the food wait yeah. can I ask you a question yes of course do you think so, so it, it ends with them like as you said um wrapped up like basically like meat in newspaper and butcher twine mm-hmm. and going and tr- like quote unquote cleaning up their mess which was absolutely impossible they they've just ruined the joint um and then lying down on the table and having this conversation and then the hypothetically being killed by the chandelier right mm-hmm. falling on them do you what do you make of that sequence do you think that's real do you think that's like a
0: jab at at morality or what do you make of that you know I I go back and forth on this one because I'm not really sure I know how to interpret that ending quite on the nose you know making the like the wrapped up like meat connection and with how much of the play between like using these men to the movie it's been to, to absolutely wrecking this situation it almost feels like they're putting themselves now in the centerpiece of the table and they're making themselves the point of the feast uh, Mm. in a way that forces people to pay attention to them. And I do think that there is some sort of like agency in that. Uh, But of course the chandelier falls on them. End of movie. They die more, more accurately the screen goes back to the war footage and everything blows up uh, in their faces and that's incredibly disruptive. So I don't know if I interpret it as this is the end of them so much as this Mm. is kind of like, a catalyst moment for all of the disruption they've been causing so far like this is the thing that's going to speak the loudest after they are no longer the primary focus of all of their chaos
1: i yeah I, you made such an interesting point about them lying down on the banquet table that I hadn't really put together but you're yeah they they do kind of offer themselves up as mm-hmm. the substitute meal yeah and I, I do think it's interesting that we we go from like this this very mechanical doll-like to this very fleshy like this they they, they have been rendered onto meat mm-hmm. uh with with this costuming choice yeah that's really interesting i i i also go back and forth on this sequence because it does feel a little bit like it, it feels out of step with the rest of the movie it feels yeah. like it, it's almost Chetlova like thumbing her nose at uh a a moralistic kind of approach Mm -hmm. to what this movie what what people would want this movie to be which is like these girls have to get their comeuppets at the end (laughs) um otherwise what if we watched all like as people can be as bad as they want in movies as long as they learn the lesson you want them to learn at the Mm -hmm. end or what what the government wanted them to learn (laughs) at the end and so i i I go back and forth because it it does feel like it's sort of a like because there is that text on screen that's like what what else could have become of them Mm -hmm. and it it does feel like well here's what would become of them they they go and they they pay penance and they sweep up everything and they they adopt this very feminine role right of of cleaning cleaning this thing that they have done and then they lie down as the banquet and then they're crushed is that what you want (laughs) (laughs) it, it, it it almost doesn't feel in line with the rest of the movie but that might just Mm -hmm. be because i love them and i don't want them to have died at the end of the movie
0: (laughs) yeah i mean of all the ways to go crushed by chandeliers i feel like appropriately dramatic for them but so decadent (laughs) i love too in how they go about cleaning up and making penance because they just can't quite Put everything back to the way it was they've just no. gone too far to the point where no. nothing can be restored i love when they're so delicately laying out the shards of the plate in a way that almost makes it the full circle but then she puts one yeah. piece that's like a little bit off
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they little... cannot even reconstruct a single plate
0: no it's like a little bit of a final act of rebellion and i feel like in a different film i would have interpreted it more of like well what's been broken can't be put back but here it yeah. almost felt like They were proud that the damage they did was so permanent (laughs) (laughs) I mean
1: that I mean that's also just a through line right like Mm -hmm. it's this is not the the, they are as disregarding of possessions in their own personal life as they are at this this stranger's place like the the, scene early on where she just she plucks uh, the sheet that she is lying on and takes her giant scissors and cuts it and just tears it open and it's just Mm -hmm. like that was your sheet (laughs) (laughs) that was your sheet uh or the the, like the beautiful sequence where they're burning all of those streamers Mm. uh to to, i guess cook sausages unclear um (laughs) but it's just like like watching that in a way stresses me out because i'm like are you gonna clean that up you're gonna burn your (laughs) Apartment down. But then the other part of me is like, whatever, it's fine. It doesn't matter. This yeah. You're renting, it's fine.
0: <laughs> never getting We're that security get deposit, deposit back. back. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, renting. <laughs> uh, I want to circle back around to this because you mentioned uh it briefly, but do you want to talk about the butterfly man?
1: <laughs> well, uh,
0: yes. <laughs> I just, I love, I
1: mean, thinking of, again about like, parts of this that are both avant-garde and and surreal while also Mm -hmm. being just like purely delightful uh the blonde marie standing there with the butterfly (laughs) (laughs) hovering her chest and there's one butterfly where each of her nipples will be Mm -hmm. and a butterfly box over her crotch with another butterfly just right there incredible and when he comes by later and he's well in the scene and he's like trying to woo her and he plucks the butterfly that is in the box over her pelvis Mm -hmm. it's just like what are you doing
0: (laughs) what is this so good and then she turns around she's got a box full of little butterflies over her butt yeah for more comedy because this movie is incredibly funny
1: (laughs) so and I just I don't necessarily know what to make of that symbolically uh because I don't like I I don't think she's I don't think it's a metaphor for like her losing her virginity or anything like that so
0: So I don't know what to make of it Yeah, I kind of go back to like the butterfly boxes are these very beautiful things kind of like pinned down and Mm -hmm. restricted in a way that the girls aren't. But I don't really necessarily know what connection to make from those watching it. Like I'm like, okay, there's sort of like all these pieces here of like beautiful things contained and properly organized and like in their place. And then the two girls who are wild and crazy are going to do whatever they want, regardless of what people think their place should be. And I'm just not quite sure which if that's supposed to be the contrast we're getting or if it is just sort of this prop humor, I, I could go either <laughs> way on it,
1: frankly. I mean, it, I think there is something to be said about the fact that like the the butterfly box that she holds behind her back to cover her her tuchus uh, doesn't have like one, <laughs> one brown butterfly on it. It, it. it has like a bunch of butterflies. And so mm-hmm. part of me is like, I mean, he plucks the putter- butterfly that covers her pelvis and then she turns around and has, like, 20 butterflies in a box behind <laughs> her. Part of me feels like, is that, is that it? It's like, you can pluck this one butterfly, mm. um, but you have not robbed her of, of this femininity or this object of, mm. of, of symbolism. Maybe there's something there. Maybe it's yeah. just funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe, Maybe both are true, funny. frankly, with yeah. this movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of the genius of it. And he's the man who gets the most like play he's not on screen Hmm. a ton but he comes back through speaking through the door and on the phone yulia yulia (laughs) he is yulia's uh yeller
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's an interesting counterpoint to like you have they're they're all of these old men that they're scamming are obviously there for like i'm gonna treat you to this dinner and then we're gonna Mm -hmm. have sex and then i will go back to my wife and family and you know go about (laughs) my day um whereas i think this is like the counterpoint where it's like this man yeah uh, is devoting his his everlasting love to this person who i, I like i don't think he really knows uh-huh. all that much about like we really barely see them interact outside of her being this this symbolic butterfly pinned mm-hmm. in a box like and so he's just, like, devoting his everlasting love. I do love the sequence where, like, they're talking and he's on the phone and occasionally he can hear what they're saying. Yes. They're not talking to him, but he's like, yeah, yes, you want to get sausages? Yes, let's go. It's just like, okay.
0: <laughs> That's my read. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you there. I like that it's also sort of the one point of contention between the two girls that we really see because it's kind of what prompts the brunette to keep asking for, well, I'll take his number if you don't want it, or I'll take yeah. his address if you don't want it. And the blonde is always hesitant to unwilling. And this eventually yeah. leads to the scene where they are putting the straws one on top of each other and having their <laughs> argument about not getting along anymore. You know, despite how much they use everyone around them, there's still an effect that those people are having on the two of them and their, like, otherwise seemingly rock-solid relationship that they've had up to this point. And I think it's interesting that it's just, like the one guy who can inadvertently through really no actions of his own other than persistence put a little bit of a rift in there <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i mean there is something to be said about like the attention economy Right mm-hmm. where like suddenly it's it's out of balance because because in when they're running the scams with the old men it's it's mostly the brunette Marie is the one mm-hmm. kind of is, is the one being dated and the blonde right. is the one who comes up and is like hey give me some wine <laughs> let me shovel some um, cake in my mouth on your first date yes yes I will have those three slices
0: please <laughs> how we all want to order at restaurants
1: <laughs> it's so good uh, I so I think there is like a reversal there where like she is getting mm-hmm. this attention from this this very handsome young man who is performing a lot more earnestness and like like um this very very like byronic almost like mm-hmm. self-sacrificial love for her and so like you have this kind of imbalance and like the the quality of male attention mm-hmm. i guess
0: yeah
1: uh and I'm, I'm curious if maybe that's part of it since that seems to be an over overarching concern for
0: the girls yeah and it, i it's it's the quality of men atten- male attention and also I feel like a lot of this movie hinges on it kind of being the two of them against the world mm. and having something that disrupts that dynamic even a little bit. Even if it's just this bit of male attention that's too, like you've mentioned, the blonde instead of the brunette and is intense enough to intrude into their lives outside of the mm. scams that they run. Uh, I feel like that threatens something very like core to the way that they relate to each other and therefore relate to the world around them. Yeah.
1: But not, not too much. Not too <laughs> they much. Get they kind of get over it, it pretty
0: quickly. Then they, they've got corn to ponder. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they've got corn to ponder. Yeah. yeah. They got to work on their, their corn corn thoughts.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh. oh, corn thoughts with Maria and Maria sounds like like a TikTok, <laughs> a great <Corn> midwest <laughs> podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is completely unrelated but if, uh, if you're ever out in the midwest i went to the corn palace once it's a building i've been I've, too you've been to the corn awesome municipal yeah. <laughs> building covered in corn art <laughs> uh, i bet they'd truly. love it i mean it brings so many existential questions up for them if you just release these two into is it like Iowa.
1: <laughs> I would love to go to a screening of Daisies at the Corn Palace.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> dream. Double feature. <laughs> Daisies, <laughs> Children of the Corn, in the Corn Palace. What? What a night. What a night what that a would night.
1: be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you want to kiss under the screening of daisies at the Corn Palace? This is how I'm going to approach people.
0: Finally, I know what the uh, like, log line of this podcast episode will be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We found it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but we're coming up on time for this podcast, although I would love to talk about daisies. Until Forever. the corn comes home. Cows. It's till the cows come home. I don't know enough about farming for this. <laughs> Um, but do you have any sort of, like, closing thoughts on the movie as a whole? I like to ask, is there a situation you might recommend our viewers watch this movie in um, mm-hmm. if you'd recommend they watch it at all, but I I feel like that might be a yes on this one.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think, I, I, I mean, I would say, I said this kind of earlier on, but, like, I mm-hmm. would really impress upon you, like, you probably have preconceived thoughts about what you think avant-garde or surreal cinema is. Uh, and that information might not be based on like real examples that you have seen that might just be like hearsay or like, I mean, I think it has a a kind of a low key bad reputation as being Mm. weird and boring. Um, But Daisy's is incredible. It's so fun. It's so delightful. It's an incredible achievement in filmmaking. And Mm. I can guarantee you, you might be confused. You will never be bored in this movie. (laughs)
0: yeah it's almost a great entry point into avant-garde and surrealism mm. because it is so gripping and entertaining like is it a movie night with friends movie maybe if you got like your best gal pal over yes <laughs> the get two a of cake. you get a cake get some <laughs> have comi- that ready comically large bottles of beer go get some tall boys get a cake yes <laughs> work on your halloween That's costumes nice. if i don't see any no. maria's out there this halloween i'm gonna be so sort disappointed of Oh my god! I it would genuinely be just the highlight of my life if mm. I could see I could see him. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just an enjoyable time for all of its craziness and chaos. It's joyful. It's fun. It's it's definitely I, I recommend you go see it uh, or seek it out um, at um, your home a, screens. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think it's released on Criterion as well. I think there's a Criterion yeah. collection version of it, which is very
0: yeah. good. Um, But Jenna, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a blast. Uh, If our listeners wanna hear more from you, where can they find you? Oh, I'm everywhere on the internet. I'm
1: on Twitter (laughs) at the Jenna. I stream on Twitch at the underscore Jenna. Uh, I have a video essay channel where I talk about a lot of horror stuff, but also just media in general. And that is, oh, let me, I can never remember. It's at (laughs) it's youtube.com slash at the underscore jenna I'm everywhere either at the jenna or the underscore
0: jenna so you can find me <laughs> i'm on Twi- twitter i'm on tiktok i'm just everywhere awesome and all of that will be linked in the show notes below i highly recommend you go check out jenna's stuff video essays are awesome uh, <laughs> loved having you on the show i'm off to shove some cake in my mouth i hope that you're uh, going to do the same uh with that i'm gonna f- <laughs> sorry go <ahead. laughs> Neither of us are good enough at uh, not apologizing for (laughs) talking over the other to be these girls. But I'm going to go shove some cake in my mouth, bring this podcast to a close. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on June 5th with another thrilling installment. But if you miss us before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. You can also find Moviestruck on Discord, where there's a great community of people talking about movies and whatnot. It's a super fun time. You should check it out. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and my guest Jenna's content can be found in the show notes below. I'd also like to give a special thank you to the patrons who joined us last month. It's thanks to you and everyone over on Patreon that we're able to keep the lights on this podcast lit and the boat Afloat. So thank you to Brandon Sheets, Nova Spades, May Rionin, and Jacob Hunt.